0: Humboldt Last Week.
1: Hey, welcome to Humboldt Last Week. My name is Miles Cochran. This is a way to hear highlights from Humboldt's Last Week in News while you're on the move or getting stuff done. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, KimKemp.com, and top podcast platforms. So thankful to those of you that are spreading the word. love hearing from new listeners every week. So please do tell a friend. Don't forget to connect. And remember, humboldtlastweek.com. That's a good place to connect, listen, even check out new music. And remember, don't forget to check out Humboldt Last Week on Facebook for episode updates and local content. Podcast partnership this week comes from Bongo Boy Studio, who just wrapped up a studio upgrade and deep clean, making sure everything is working perfect. Musicians love that attention to detail because it limits any retakes because of technical difficulties. Bongo Boy is dedicated to making sure a high-end recording experience is within reach of anyone who has a dream. So check them out at bongoboystudio.com. And Ferndale Music Company with Grammy Award-winning bluesman John Hammond playing at the Old Steeple on the 21st.
0: Some people tell me now blues and bad.
1: Wild that Jimi Hendrix was discovered while playing in his band. And the endorsement from Tom Waits. John's sound is so compelling, complete, symmetrical, and soulful with just his voice, guitar, and harmonica. He sounds like a big train coming. That's John Hammond on the 21st at the Old Steeple in Ferndale. Tickets at ferndalemusiccompany.com. You heard about the deadly shootout in front of the bars in Arcata. An apparent wanted felon jumped out of a truck and can allegedly be seen in dash cam footage firing first at police officers. The suspect was shot dead by the cops, and one of the officers was shot in the thigh. He'll make a difficult full recovery. And one of the people that was in the truck with the suspect told North Coast News, quote, It was simply a situation of a man who decided to shoot at a police officer, and they shot him. According to the journal, about 50 to 100 people were in front of the bars there next to what was said to be the first time Arcata police had killed a suspect in 37 years. Wow, so maybe you heard, this 70-year-old woman is resilient as all heck. She was driving up north from Eureka, past Oric, went over the side of the road, and she was missing for four days. Cruz used her cell phone signal to find her 50 yards off 101, uh, trapped in her SUV where you couldn't see her from the road. So she only had minor injuries, and her dogs were okay too, thank goodness. Yeah, I saw that on red-headed black belt before the press release even came out. So, an Arcata man and his son died in a small airplane on their way to the Humboldt Airport in McKinleyville. According to the Times Standard, Terry Valley worked at Lima's Pharmacy, and coworkers said he was a friend to all in his life. And his son Preston graduated from Arcata High in 91. He was a basketball player back then and was well-loved by the community. I know Humboldt's heart goes out to their friends and their family. Well, remembering the heat, earlier this month when Eureka tied its record for the hottest day ever, a St. Bernard's cheerleader had to go to the hospital for heat stroke. I saw her family told Kim Kemp they believed the school should have protected her and other athletes more and that they were prevented from taking breaks to hydrate. The principal said he spoke with cheerleaders that said they were taking breaks and hydrating. They coached their kids to hydrate. They rented an industrial fan and they set up a misting station. Either way, the school said next time they'll do two misting stations instead of one and they'll reiterate the importance of hydration to the students. And this what a Eureka murderer is going to prison for 27 to life, but that did not stop the guy from being a smart ass to the judge last week. Guy was convicted of bludgeoning to death a man from Blue Lake a couple years ago and then shooting at a couple officers who tracked him down. According to Loco, in court last week he goes to the judge, there's no way to get probation on this. He also apparently flipped the bird to a bailiff who told him to stop silently communicating with a woman in the audience. Really nice photos. Mark McKenna captured of Arcade Fire in full gear, climbing the same number of steps at HSU as it would have taken to reach the height of the Twin Towers. Showing respect for 9-11 first responders, we lost 343 firefighters in New York that day. Pictures are up at KimKemp.com. So a group of people were arrested in relation to the Hash Lab explosion that killed someone in a garage in Rio Dell last winter. Looks like they're facing murder charges, manufacturing charges, some of the suspect's kids were housed with family members, and this news, according to Kim Kemp, raised the record number of homicides in Humboldt last year to 22. Well, hat tip to Humboldt PG&E crews for helping out in Florida in the aftermath of Hurricane Irma. Notice Channel 3 reported they were looking for downed power lines, toppled trees, and other storm damage, being PG and essentially helpful. Well, that's a little money for the 99%. Occupy Eureka is coming back to bite the city in the ass. Eureka now owes a guy 50 grand after he said police used excessive force while arresting him during an Occupy demonstration back in 2012. Some people said this guy received baton blows to the head. Eureka said they have a video that shows otherwise that police acted properly, that they chose to settle to ease financial strains, and that settling is not an admission of liability. Oh, damn, this is scary. In Hoopa, there was a guy who allegedly tried to kidnap a 12-year-old girl. Yeah, you hear about that? I saw in Redheaded Black Belt, the story was a gray-haired guy with a beard and a white van tried to chase this girl down, and she ran to family. Cops were still looking for the van with a sticker on one of the rear windows. Maybe he had a yellow thumbs up around a blue circle. With classes back in session, there was another ceremony to honor the life of David Josiah Lawson, the HSU student who was stabbed to death at a house party in Arcata earlier this year. You may remember the former murder suspect in the case saw charges dropped due to a lack of evidence. So now the investigation continues as cops are still looking for more witnesses from that night. And they also put out a press release to say, no, the victim's friend, Elijah Chandler, is not a suspect. And that the person who posted that rumor online has no personal knowledge of the incident or the investigation. Dang, the sheriff's office doing some good work. In Sohum, they brought in a wanted homeless guy in relation to a brutal murder in the Los Angeles area. According to USA Today, the 37-year-old man is accused of murdering someone investigators believe he knew. A 61-year-old woman who was found unresponsive in a hotel room down there. Well, drivers were honking for health care as demonstrators were outside of Assemblymember Jim Wood's office in Eureka. They wanted him to support a single-payer health care system for the state. I saw some coverage on Channel 3. There were a bunch of doctors and healthcare care professionals there in favor of this health access for everyone. While others showed up to say, hey, we don't want this. It means higher taxes and more government involvement in health care. Well, cheers to HSU as they continue to bring in praise. Rounds of applause despite the enrollment slowdown and a little bit of drama around the football program. It won't stop this. A top master's university, says Washington Monthly. Best in the West, according to Princeton Review. And a top regional school, says U.S. News and World Report. Definitely proud to be an HSU grad. Oh, damn. This was the bonehead move of the week. Oh, my goodness. Maybe you heard about the chick who was arrested for snatching an older woman's purse at WinCo. Well, interim Eureka police chief Steve Watson goes on Twitter and shares what he said was a to-do list they found on her. The list says, written down, I fucking kid you not, today's to-do list, make money, ideas, shoplift, right? And she has an apostrophe S on ideas, like ideas are taking possession of things now. Anyway, I'm like almost more annoyed about her shitty punctuation than anything else. I'm kidding. Obviously, robbing an elderly woman is worse. I know. Oh hey, here's Kirsten Dunst and the Woodshock directors talking about Humboldt's natural beauty.
0: And where we actually shot the film is in Humboldt County, which is further north and where the trees get really big. To put in perspective, they can be as big or bigger than the Statue of Liberty. They're the largest living organisms on the planet. The beauty of it is that they're so awe-inspiring, but they're huge and you you realize you have a great perspective about your your mortality and who you are as a human being you're so small so having that perspective kind of allows you to have a you know some free moments to say i'm not as big as important as i think i am
1: i shared that full interview on the humboldt last week facebook if you want to check it out Oh, This was wild, the alleged marijuana robbery out 36. Kim Kemp all over this. One of the suspects was shot in the foot. The grower was apparently by vehicle chasing these six guys. A construction crew surrounded their SUV that they stole and caught four of them. And the two others fled on foot and were caught a little later. Yeah, I told you it was wild. Uh, injured and sick animals at the Humboldt County Animal Shelter definitely need some help. There's a link to donate at KimKemp.com. Hopefully they can raise enough money to take care of these medical expenses so no animals have to be euthanized. Uh, Marie Calendars in Eureka's now out of business. After two decades in business, it's so long, Payanara. I'm sorry. Here's a slice from this loco commenter. They said, I hope all the employees find new jobs quickly. Definitely agree. And this in-depth article, how about that Scientology bunker down in southern Humboldt? Where's that? Funny you ask, prominent Scientologist Beck. Near Petrolia is where it's at. This place has that big old Scientology symbol carved into the earth, so you can check that out from an aerial view. I'll read this from the Loco piece. Just east of the 1,000-foot logo, there's a helipad, and beyond that, an 8,000-square-foot residence called the LRH House built in 91 as a place for Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard to grow up after being reborn in a new body. Scientologists believe Hubbard did not die of a stroke in 86 at the age of 74, but rather voluntarily discarded his body so he could continue his spiritual research outside of its confines. That's a nice dose of reality. So a local nonprofit is pretty much saying the crappy behavior of some is ruining a nice thing for everyone. A local nonprofit Hatcher, that would be the Humble Area Center for Harm Reduction, has been doing these community cleanups, one of many services they provide. But now they have to put those cleanups on hold because of what they said was violence imposed on their volunteers. And joining me on the phone right now is Brandy Wilson, Hatcher's executive director. Thanks for chatting, Brandy.
0: Hi, hey, thanks for inviting me.
1: My pleasure. So before we get into this violence, for those listening that don't know, what does Hatcher do?
0: So we're a harm reduction organization, but more specifically, what everybody is usually very focused on, two of our main programs within our organization, are syringe exchange and overdose prevention. We are one of the most unhealthy communities due to all our variables. The one thing that does save us is our outdoor access and our access to healthy food. However, when it comes to mental health, um, lack of housing, the per capita data of overdose deaths, drug use, poverty, all of those things are very much under the harm reduction umbrella, and those are what we address.
1: Part of what you do is these community cleanups. How long have those been in place?
0: So we've actually been doing community cleanups since early 2015. And we started doing clean-up about nine months before we ever began syringe exchange. We wanted all portions of the community to understand that we are here to address the issues related with substance use, whether it's someone in complete chaotic use or whether it is a community member that is very troubled by the amount of syringes that they have found somewhere and they need them picked up. It is to let people know that we're invested and that we care.
1: So you're invested and you care. You're cleaning up the community. And there are people volunteering to help you do that. And uh, you say that there has been violence imposed on them. What's been happening to these volunteers that are cleaning up the community?
0: So many of the volunteers that do this are people with no home. They may look a little disheveled. They may have backpacks on. When many of our volunteers who happen to be homeless are doing this work, there have been a number of times where someone physically got in my volunteer's space real puffed up to the point where he was up against a wall um and he was being called horrible names. He's a Vietnam veteran, so he just kind of like told them some shit and walked off um that same man, and he's one of our lead peer volunteers. And that same man, he's had plates thrown at him and rocks thrown at him. We've had other volunteers who have had cars, like, swerve over the other side of the road, just being jerked, acting like they were going to hit him. Um, Lots of rocks thrown. And then, really, one of the last straws was we were doing cleanup on our block, and... There were some men that had gone to lunch and apparently had gotten a little bit too tipsy. And I had two volunteers um, doing cleanup because it seems one volunteer is at risk. So I had two volunteers doing it, and these men jumped out of their truck and backed my two volunteers up against the wall, called them horrible names. Like, they get told horrible things. And... Tried and intimidated and told they have no place here, they need to get lost, and that they are not valued as humans in this community. That is the most politically correct, I can say, the things that they have said.
1: So have you brought these concerns to the police? I have not. No.
0: No. Getting the police involved in things that they can't do anything about really overextends them and... Really, what that just meant is that I need to restructure because in the very end, it is my job to make sure that everyone that participates in in this program is safe. Like if someone would have punched him, you can trust and believe I would have called the police. If there is ever an actual violent act that happens to my volunteers, I will call the police, and I will do so with passion.
1: Because, I mean, you talked about plates thrown and rocks thrown. I mean, I guess we're just lucky that none of those throws hit.
0: Well, a plate has hit, and it was a ceramic plate, and so they shattered easily. So one has hit, one of my volunteers, but... I'm sure as many people know, some of the people in the community without homes who are being very stigmatized, they're used to it. So what other people might consider a real big deal, um, our volunteers kind of take in stride. And so we don't cry wolves and we don't get all worked up over little things because, well, there's a lot of little chaotic things that go on. And so, Yeah.
1: Okay. And so, I mean, these incidents happen and then you have to make the decision, right, whether or not you can continue to do these community cleanups. And you decided too much violence for right now. You're going to suspend the cleanups. And in this release, you bring up how some of the uh, violence may stem from misinformation about Hatcher. What are the main criticisms you hear, Brandy? And how do you respond to those criticisms?
0: So I hear that Syringe Exchange is not how you get people into less chaos and that it's enabling and coddling. Well, in fact, that is the opposite of all evidence and scientific research of the 40 years of syringe exchange that has happened. Another is that harm reduction enables people who use substances. And as one of my head peers says, you're right. It does enable people. It enables people to finally take action and pay attention to their own health. It enables people to participate in a program that values them. And as we know, people not having value and connection to a community and a support system is what increases drug use. And harm reduction when it is organized in the way that we are organized, which is very peer-based, it gives people a connection to a meaningful type of work that then begins to fill them with purpose. And through that purpose, people begin to reduce their drug use, enter into treatment, and enter into the many different types of support that they may need. Also, there's been some misinformation about how we operate, that we don't operate right. The California Department of Public Health and the California State Office of AIDS fully endorses our program as operating in accordance with best practices of both of those offices. Our policies and procedures have come directly from them. They have reviewed everything we do, and we are a very very in line with policy and procedure organization.
1: Well, I'm going to read just from this Time Standard editorial that I found last year. It says, uh, the Centers for Disease Control has found that needle exchange programs do not, in fact, encourage drug use. People are already uh, shooting up. And studies have shown that users who are participating in needle exchanges are more likely to seek treatment. So I think that also uh, goes in line with what you were saying. But then you hear, you know, to kind of fine-tune this, 86% return rate on needle exchanges last year here in Humboldt, which is way higher than the state average. When people hear that, they hear 86 and they're quick to respond, well, what about the uh, 14%? You put more needles out there than were there before. What do you say to them?
0: Let's talk about that 14%. It is a very regular occurrence that the police take syringes. Those syringes are never accounted for as returns because they're taken. That is a huge piece of what's not coming back. Another piece is that there are four exchanges in this county, and you can go to any one of them. There are people that care in the drug using community and those people are some of our leaders, they are our peer leaders and they make it a point to educate and talk with their own community about the importance of properly disposing syringes, of why not leaving them in parks, at the library, all of those places is important because even though a lot of people in the community think that people who use drugs are horrible and don't care, we will act above that. Our volunteers will not act how misinformed people expect them to.
1: It kind of fascinates me that, you know, you have drug users volunteering for you, communicating with the community about harm reduction. Is there a sort of threshold that you're looking for, you know, in terms of... So you've been volunteering for us for so long, and you've been a drug user for so long. Is there a certain point to where you say, hey, you know, you need to transition from being a drug user into being a former drug user?
0: Absolutely not. That's when people leave. When you impose barriers or expectations of this quote-unquote concept of clean or dirty, that's when people die, when people leave syringes on the street, when people do not care, when you give people ultimatums about their health. And another thing I have about that is, if someone is a fully functional professional and they come here and they volunteer, do I have to ask them? Or are we just speaking about homeless people that use drugs? Because 80% of drug users are fully functional professionals.
1: Well, another thing that's being talked about right now, you know, uh, in relation to all this is safe injection sites. It was an idea that was uh, met with a bit of controversy when the details first came out. And I believe a bill to get those started up in California and specifically started up in Humboldt recently failed in the Senate. Uh, I know it's something that McGuire voted yes on. uh, But what are your thoughts on that? You know, do you think that they should continue to fight that fight to open up safe injection sites?
0: Absolutely. Those are evidence based scientifically proven to work for the past 20 years. They have some of the highest entries into treatment and sustained abstinence as well as reduction in injection uh, use and overdose threats. Do you know how many overdose deaths have happened in a safe injection site? Out of 110 injection sites that have been operating around the world, some of which for 20 years, there have been zero overdose deaths. 56% 56% have entered into detox. 25% have stopped using surrenders altogether. They allow us to remove the need to ask our police to be social workers and addiction counselors. It gives us the ability to arm business owners, police, social workers, everyone. When public injecting is happening, You get a warning. One warning, hey, there's a place for that. You need to do that there under medical supervision and engage with services. The next time I see you doing this, the punishment, this part I'm not a big fan of, the punishment can be increased because we now have a space. We don't have to watch people invest on the boardwalk in front of your business in Old Town on Mother's Day anymore. You can say, hey, hey. This is absolutely not okay. Not only is this not okay, but now we have a place where you can go find services, where you can get help. It reduces the amount of petty criminals in the jail, which create situations like Father Freeze Killer not being able to be kept in the jail. When we have to release actual criminals so that we can house medically ill people that are addicted to substances, that does not create a safe community.
1: In the aftermath of this violence that we talked about earlier, uh, you know, what will it take for Hatcher to sort of resume community cleanups? What will it take for you?
0: We're starting an education campaign. It is clearly a lack of information and correct information that causes violence and that causes behaviors out of ignorance. Through our education campaign, we should be able to see the mindset around this at least shift 2%. That's all we're looking for is a little bit less hate. And when we can see a little bit less hate in the community, we absolutely will.
1: All right, Brandy. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Uh, That is Brandy Wilson, Hatcher's executive director. And is there anything else that you'd like to mention?
0: That we really, really love our community, and we hope that people can see that we are coming from a real, true place of caring for our community as a whole, that we do not leave one part out and say that the other is more valid, because if we forget a piece of our community, it's not a community.
1: Thank you so much, Brandy. I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. One more time, I want to thank this week's partners, Ferndale Music Company with John Hammond playing at the Old Steeple in Ferndale on the 21st, and Bongo Boy Studio. Find them online at bongoboystudio.com. Humboldt Last Week is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, kimkemp.com, and top podcast platforms. Please do tell a friend. Check out Humboldt Last Week on Facebook. Remember humboldtlastweek.com to listen, connect, and even check out new music. Again, my name is Miles, and I can't wait to talk to you again next week.
0: Bye. Humboldt. Last. Three. Wow.